Have you ever wondered how deep tech companies actually start? Well, we were too. So in this podcast, we'll be interviewing scientists and entrepreneurs that have taken their ideas out of the lab and turned them into startups. I'm Antonia. And I'm Christina. And this is Startup the Science. Hello again, and welcome back to another episode of Startup the Science. Today's episode features a startup that we've been in touch with and we've encountered at many events, pre-corona, of course, here in Germany. They're called Plastformance. And we got to speak with Max, who's in charge of business development there. Plastformance is developing and producing injection moldable compounds that have significantly better physical features than the products that are currently available on the market. Basically, and I think I actually get this one, you guys, they mix plastics with other materials that can give the plastics special powers, like being thermally conductive or electrically conductive. I should totally pitch this product. Plastics with superpowers. Anyways, more importantly, Plastformance is one of our newest ENA members. Cue the applause. Woo! Yay! Welcome! And we are so happy they've joined us. So with that being said, here's Max giving a proper explanation of Plastformance. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Max, and welcome to Start of the Science. It's great to have you with us today. Um, as usual, I think it's best if we start with an introduction. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your company? Hey, Antonia. Thanks, uh, first of all, for having us. Uh, we are really excited to be here. Plusformance actually just joined Enum, uh, so this is a great opportunity to uh, say hi to the community, which is exciting. It's also very exciting for, for us to have you guys here, and it joined Enum because it's a very promising startup in advanced materials, but tell us more about that. What kind of materials do you guys do? Um, yeah, everything. We produce plastics which have really unique properties, and the unique properties are that they don't behave like plastics. But like metals or ceramics or graphite, for example. And the unique point behind it is that we mix plastic particles uh, with metal particles, for example, and then the properties of those metal particles transfer onto the plastic. So all of a sudden, uh, we have a material that can still be injection molded like plastic, but it has the properties of metals, for example, electric conductivity or uh, thermal conductivity. As we vary those, what we call filler particles, um, we also change properties. So some of our materials can be thermally conductive and electric insulating or electrically conductive uh, and thermally conductive. And there's a huge variety that we can cover. Now, this is not a new technology, but to the amount that we're taking it, the amount of filler particles that we put in the plastic um, is very unique and that relies on uh, the technology that we have and that we've also patented. Can you tell us a little bit more about your product? And specifically, I'd like to know what is your favorite material of all the materials you can make? The exciting thing is that even though Plastformance has signature materials uh, that are into the thermal management of things, the material that showcases our technology the best is a plastic compound, which is based on tungsten. Tungsten is a really dense material. Uh, it's used in nuclear medicine a lot. What we have is we created a plastic tungsten compound, which has a density of 15. So if you, if you take that into an example, if you have one liter, uh, so a water bottle of that material, it's, the weight of it is uh, 15 kilograms. 
and it's still a plastic and it's still injection moldable. So whenever you give someone one liter bottle of that material, he will drop the material and say, wow, I can't believe this is coming out of injection molding. And this is a great example on what happens if you put 80% volume of uh, tungsten and combine it with plastic and still be able to process it like uh, almost any other plastic uh, in the injection molding process. Okay, that sounds really interesting. And um, I think it's exciting that we're, we're talking to you this month because I think um, many people that might be listening to us in, in July might know that July is this uh, no plastic month and no plastic initiative worldwide. So maybe through this episode, we can redeem plastic a little bit because it's not all that bad, right? If it has special qualities as the ones you described, it can perhaps be used in ways that are going to lead to more innovation and um, advanced applications. Can we talk a little bit about that? What are the, the challenges that your technology can solve? Well, the challenge that we see with so many new technologies evolving, electric cars, renewable energies, um, microelectronics, is really that technology advances, but material science is lacking a little behind. So all of these technologies that I just mentioned are longing for materials which are not only structurally interesting, but uh, which are functional. And by crafting those plastics, we have a material that doesn't only solve one problem, but two or three. For example, they can uh, decrease the temperature in a battery pack because they're thermally conductive, but they can also insulate the, the battery pack because they're electric insulating and you can inject and mold them. So you can go into the large volumes uh, without needing metal replacement. Right. So there are a whole bunch of things you can do in terms of controlling the characteristics of that material to make it more or less thermally conductive or electrically conductive. Um, can you give us an example of a product or an application that you've worked on using your materials that has been particularly exciting for you? Yes. One thing that we looked into with a partner was the heat dissipation in LEDs. Now, LEDs have the problem uh, on the one side, they're really energy efficient, but on the back side, uh, they produce uh, heat. And this heat has to be transported away from the LED uh, in order to increase lifetime. Now, what they traditionally do is they have an aluminum heat sink, which is milled for that purpose. And since aluminum is electrically conductive, they also place a gap pad, usually a silicon pad, between the LED and the aluminum heatsink. Now, this is a two-component piece, which is hard to manufacture, uh, especially large scale. And we do have a replacement for that, which is one component, one plastic, which combines uh, both attributes, electric insulating, uh, insulation and uh, thermal conductivity. Now, all of a sudden you have a heatsink, uh, you're saving components, you increase functionality, and it is highly suitable for that mass production. So that was an, an exciting project to look into because you are saving materials and increasing functionality. So in these situations, um, like, like the scenario you described, without your solution, what would companies normally do? Would they have a mix of materials? Would they use, for instance, one material that is highly conductive and one that isn't or how would they approach these kind of challenges because what i understand is that you're creating these almost magical materials that have properties that you wouldn't expect to find in one material is that is that right exactly and that's how you replace um, certain components consisting of multiple uh, layers and pieces 
as you can have all of those functions in one material. So that's very, very cool. Tell us how you got involved in this project. I know you, you're not the founder of Plasformance, so you're definitely a core member of the team, but how did you um, come, to, come to be part of it? Well, so this is my first job. So after finishing my university degree, I was facing a decision and the decision was uh, trifold. It was either getting into uh, consulting or pursuing a corporate career or going into startups. Now, uh, my parents said you should do the corporate thing. Uh, my friends said you should do consulting. Um, and I decided on the startups. The decision that I made was mainly based on my priorities. And I like to work with people who I'm close with, uh, who I can learn from. I also like uh, the opportunity to grow and I like the challenges. So that led me into the startup world. And this startup I was working for during my university uh, studies as well. And I knew they were in a really interesting phase of having a technology that's available, but taking the next step in uh, transforming the technology into a product. Um, and that's where I came in and um, what my role as a business development director is. And when was this? How many years ago did you join? This was pretty much a year ago. Okay, not that long ago. And how many guys are you in the team now? Uh, we are five to uh, highly technical people who worked on the patents. Uh, then there's uh, two business people who are involved in all the customer relationship topics, um, all the, the pitching events, uh, all the investor relationship uh, sort of things. And we have one, product, one production helper. And I, I would imagine that as most of our startups, I might be wrong here, but most of the startups we talk to tend to originate in the university or in a university setup as a research project or as a crazy idea of one researcher that then builds a research group around it. Is this what happened in the case of Plasformance as well? Well, there's certainly crazy researchers uh, involved, uh, but they didn't come straight out of university. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, as long as there's a crazy researcher, we're happy. So how exactly did it happen? Tell us more about how it started. It started all uh, about 10 years ago in, our, in a company that is today our sister company. It was uh, up to a group of people who were involved in metal injection molding. So metal injection molding is a process of metalworking where you mix powders of metals with powders of plastics. And that mixture, mixture can be injection molded. So, so far, it sounds pretty similar to what we are doing, right? And then uh, the injection molded piece goes into an oven and the binder, which was the organic or the plastic, uh, gets really dissipated and all that remains is a metal part. And so this group of people, they were uh, modifying that process and they were, were trying to get into higher filler contents uh, until one day they realized, you know, why do we still put this in the oven? Why do we still uh, do the metal injection molding if we can just modify the plastic a little more and have a highly filled plastic compound? And uh, that led to a technology that can produce compounds with a higher amount of filler particles uh, compared to what's on the market, talking about 80% uh, in volume, and that still allows us to do injection molding. So uh, they switched, they, they actually wanted to discover something else, how to improve metal injection molding, different technology, metalworking, and they came into the world of plastics and saw that there's a demand for highly engineered plastics. 
so they they came about something that was new and then they realized there's a demand for it that's pretty much uh, how, how it happened <laughs> that's interesting so to slightly go back to the technology now again since you, you brought it up again i have a question that i forgot to ask you earlier um who would be the ideal customers for you so what kind of companies come to you because from, from what you said i would imagine it's companies that are looking for the right material for their technologies but cannot really find it or have an issue of finding it internally and then they, they come to you. But what type of companies would these be? What industries would they come from? Certainly the uh, automotive industry is really interesting. Also renewable energies with uh, solar anywhere where there's lots of electricity, uh, lots of heat dissipation problems. But maybe coming back to automotive, we realize it's usually not the highly engineered materials which are on the top scale of our product portfolio, but it's more the, the sort of commodity business that's of interest. So uh, oftentimes people find the technology interesting and like how we replace current filler particles, which are so expensive and therefore not being used in large-scale applications. Uh, They see how we use different filler particles achieving the same performance and find this very interesting for their applications and their use cases. The ideal customer is uh, a customer that's willing to take that step into also putting trust into a startup and trust out of the experience that they made with the material on test benches and is willing to substitute the current version by our material. Like we deliver the business case, we show, you know, it's you're saving maybe 30% in cost, but the next step is at which iteration does it come into a serious production? Especially with automotive, the, the cycles are pretty long, right? And the, uh, the process of introducing a new material. So uh, the ideal customer is exactly that person or that company which has a, a partner status and is, is willing to take the next step. So I have a couple of questions actually from that. One is uh, related to the type of partners that you mentioned. So ideally, it's someone, for example, in the automotive sector that is willing to sort of take a bet on a startup and try working in a new way with a pretty small company. So let's say that does happen and you find this ideal partner. Are your, or is your ability to scale up going to match to their willingness to take a bet? For example, if they need a huge amount of, of material so that they can use it in all of their cars, let's say. Is that something that you can do or what is usually your, your way of working with large partners? The technology is very well scalable by itself. Uh, you can go into larger machineries easily, but of course our production uh, capabilities, even with working so closely together with our sister company, are somewhat limited. So at some point, we say we license our technology out to a third party, which is good in, in the compounding business. And by licensing out, we increase the capabilities if someone wants it to go into the really, really high volumes. Yes, that's pretty much the direction in which I was trying to, to see if this conversation is going to go because I think most of the startups we, we speak to that have relatively similar business models, they do the same. They go into a, a licensing model. And so that's obviously pretty scalable. So then it allows you to find companies that are as large as they can be. Are you looking specifically for partners in Germany, in Europe, or are you working with companies worldwide? Yes, yeah, sure. We are always talking to, to companies. We are on the process of finding the right partners. But obviously, we're still open to new uh, forms of collaboration and new partners. And something that we maybe struggled with a little bit during the corona crisis 
is not so much talking to the peers that we're already in touch uh, in, but also connecting to new companies that have that capability. Because before Corona, you had so many opportunities to to talk to people on trade shows, to pitch in front of a crowd, all that kind of stuff, and have that personal connection and get on a, a level. And it's just different if you approach uh, people online and have to go you know, beyond the personal level to, to get a step further. That's right. It almost seems like a lifetime ago that we would go to conferences and pitch on stages and meet people in real life. <laughs> and so how, how have you done it, actually, during uh, these past few months, almost four months now, since this is happening, how have you managed to keep up the business development for platforms? Yeah, we kept in touch with our customers. Uh, we tried to keep up the good relationships, uh, but also we turned a little bit into internal processes. Like, um, a huge topic was how can we uh, create a stable production process? So you have to go out to, to companies who uh, who build production facilities and talk to them and think through, you know, this is a new technology. No one else is doing it in, in the order that we do it. it. It really depends on a special pre-treatment process of our materials, and that has to be designed. So we put a lot of effort into uh, getting our internal product uh, or internal process, which we still do by hand, uh, on a regular basis uh, onto a large scale. And now we can say, you know, this is scalable. We need this and this and this machine and we have the room for it. But that took some uh, some internal effort to get that straight. So, so that was uh, a good process uh, internally. And we could use the time that was usually spent for travel and meeting people to improve our internal process. So that's the silver lining of the corona crisis, that you had some time to work on, on internal processes, a bit more than usual. Yes. It's more fun to talk to people about your product, but uh, it's the necessary things uh, have to be done. And that was something that was necessary for sure and that helped us to refocus on our production. And what about your actual production line? Did it have to be put on hold for a few months during Corona or were you able to continue your activities more or less as normal? Yes. Again, focus shifted a little bit. Um, some of the, the partners and potential customers that we're in touch in uh, reduced their work. So it kind of came back to us a little bit. But again, there are so many areas of application that we can switch to still a lot of curiosity uh, within our group as well. And that time was was used well for those kinds of applications. So that's good to hear that it wasn't completely a crisis and that you were able to use the time wisely. Uh, was some of this time that you've spent um, now during these last months working on internal processes also spent on planning for the future? I'd imagine, I'd imagine it was. And if so, what are your plans for the next let's say, a year or so. It's hard to say now it's an exact amount of time because we don't know how much longer this crisis will continue. But what are the future plans for, for platforms for the next few years, let's say, vaguely? I'd say it all comes down to commercialize the technology and to have that first large-scale production. We're producing many test samples. We're talking to so many people. We get great feedback on the materials, but also that, that first... Uh, large-scale launch customer uh, is yet to come and it feels like with so many projects that are uh, in the air right now there's huge potential 
But getting to this point is going to be the decisive milestone for us. Uh, again, we are a young startup. Again, we are thinking about our production capabilities. It's all on the table. We are getting close to the start of production, but there is uh, another financing round that we're preparing uh, for that in order to start that process. And there is a couple of customer projects which are pretty close to getting ready. Great. So that leads me to one of my, my final questions, which is if you had a wish or two or three, a few wishes for platformers, what would these be? And what would your asks be of potential listeners that might be able to fulfill those wishes? Okay, first of all, I'm really thankful that Plusformance is part of Enum now as part of a great community of founders. And I'm, I'm really admiring anybody who made the decision to invest in technology, to be curious, to not choose the simple way. And I think we're all in, in one uh, boat, as you say, in this together. So uh, let's find ways to collaborate If you're uh, interested in our technology, please feel free to reach out. I feel like there is, especially with other startups that I've heard, there is lots of uh, common potential to maybe to get together and use some synergies. Uh, sometimes one, one plus one is three. And especially within this group, this can uh, very well happen. So I'm excited for uh, meeting new people, becoming part of the, the startup Enum community with Plusformance, And we will take it from there and are excited to see what's what's uh, yet to come. That's always very nice to hear for us. <laughs> and this is exactly what we're trying to do to build this strong community, not just the founders, but also of larger companies, um, investors, universities, anyone who wants to join, who has an interest in advanced materials and thinks that coming together can lead to new projects and new innovation. New innovation, that's, I think that's so unnecessary. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, okay. Great. Thank you so much for explaining all that to us. I think this has been very, very interesting. And I always like it when we can uh, follow a very technical conversation without a technical background. So this was definitely one of those times. Um, thank you for being with us today. We're very glad to have you also in Enum and we're looking forward to working more together in the future. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to Startup to Science. If you like our show and want to know more about what we do, check out our website at enum.berlin. And don't forget to leave us a review. Until next time.